The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Isaiah 53 has been called by theologians the gospel according to God in the Hebrew scriptures. The prophet speaks about God's suffering servant, and the chapter describes this servant in a most dramatic way. Isaiah 53 says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and with his stripes we are healed. So who is this suffering servant in the Hebrew Scriptures? Does this famous chapter refer to the person of Jesus, or to the Jewish nation, or can it refer to both? Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Over the years, it's been fascinating to watch Jewish scholars debating a text, and it's amazing how many interpretations and shades of meaning can be found in Bible passages. It seems that God has purposefully designed the Hebrew language so that the depths of many verses can never be fully explored. Isaiah chapter 53 is a case in point. It's clearly seen by Christians as a messianic passage referring to Jesus, Yeshua. But also some believe that Isaiah 53 is a description of the Jewish nation as a whole. I firmly believe this passage is the gospel of Jesus foretold in the Hebrew scriptures, because after all, if Jesus is the Messiah, then he should have been prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. But also, there's nothing wrong in being willing to admit that parts of the passage could be applicable to Israel as a nation. After all, Jesus was and is part of that nation. And so what pertains to him also pertains to them, in a sense. Jesus was despised and rejected among his people. And as a nation, Israel has also been despised, rejected, victims of anti-Semitism, and anti-Semitism is ultimately, really, hatred aimed at the God of Israel. This Jewish nation was the means through which the eternal Creator was made flesh and dwelt among us upon this earth. Jesus suffered, and the Jewish people have been a suffering people. During various pogroms and the Holocaust, most truly the world could have said concerning a devout Jewish person, that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and the world, as it were, hid their faces from him. He was despised, and he wasn't esteemed. The irony is that Israel has been a mighty benefactor to the human race on many levels. Just this week, for example, I saw a cartoon of a person in a hospital bed being told that his operation was going to be canceled because he was a boycotter of Israel. 
and because much of the medical technology had come out of Israel. But most of all, the world has benefited from Israel because the Bible and salvation proceeded from the Jews through their Messiah. Now the commentaries point out that God first disclosed to them the true Jacob's ladder connecting earth and heaven. So by some, it's been supposed that the prophet Isaiah was referring to the sufferings of the nation of Israel due to contemptuous anti-Semitic people, ignorant of God. However, scholars tell us that to defend that position, it would be necessary to interpret some of the plain statements of Isaiah 53 in a way that no sound rules of biblical exposition will allow. And why? Because in truth, Isaiah 53 speaks repeatedly of vicarious sufferings by a righteous savior on behalf of others. This week, I found a great quote in the commentaries that it's possible the suffering servant passage was designed to have more than a single interpretation and to be reverently approached from many sides. But at the same time, the suffering servant is no mere abstract concept. He's a figure of a living and separated person who was more perfect than any human believer ever was and who accomplished what no mere prophet ever attempted. Furthermore, authorities of some synagogues have even been willing to say the almost universal Christian interpretation that the man of sorrows of Isaiah 53 refers to Israel's Messiah. Now those rabbis may not agree that Jesus is the Messiah, but they have agreed that the passage is certainly messianic. Well, as those who watch our program regularly know, I enjoy digging into the Word of God on topics of the end times, of faith, of Bible prophecy, and of healing. And Isaiah 53 certainly falls into these categories. The healing ministry is something that must be studied often and contended for because, although it's clearly revealed in this Word of God in both Testaments, nevertheless, the healing ministry is difficult to find many believers who actually believe in it, that the Lord is a willing healer. There are at least seven quotations of Isaiah 53 in the New Testament. For example, Isaiah 53.4 is quoted in Matthew 8.17, saying, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So stricken is a Bible way used to say when God visited a person with a severe and sudden sickness, especially leprosy, which was especially regarded as the stroke of God's hand, a direct consequence of sin. The suffering servant is pictured as a leper because Isaiah 53 also describes him as marred and disfigured and isolated from human society, a special object of divine wrath. A parallel case of a righteous sufferer in the Bible is Job, whose disease was hideous, something believed to be like elephantitis. However, not to be missed is the main point of Isaiah 53, that the nature of the suffering was vicarious as a substitute for the sins of others. 
because it says he bore our sicknesses because of our rebellions and our iniquities. His punishment became the means of our peace. And the woes that befell him were on account of our welfare. We've been healed because of his stripes, because of his bodily wounds. And the iniquity of us all has fallen upon him. And that's the essence of the Savior's work on the cross. The suffering servant by God's will was made to be the substitute for the Jewish nation as the Lamb of God. So it follows that the punishment for sins must fall upon him. And also the punishment for sicknesses and disease. We know that one of the terrible consequences of habitual sin is bodily sickness. And sickness can absolutely lay us low, suck the life out of living, and can cut life short. And if we don't stay on top of the healing message regularly, we could lose it. Like everything else, we have to keep meditating upon the Lord's word concerning healing in order to maintain strong faith in this area. I can get busy, for example, and go for a couple of days without taking my vitamins in omega-3 and then start to feel the difference. And it's the same way with the word of God. Unfortunately, we can get spiritually rusty if we don't maintain our faith. I often have to come back to Hebrews 11:6, a verse that says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A rewarder is one who pays wages. And I want to thank you, Lord, for rewarding my faith because I really believe that you answer us when we call. I find it continually shocking to hear the low level of faith when so-called believers talk. We have to admit that most Christians are acting like unbelieving believers, living in the lowlands of faith, constantly complaining and confessing doubts, uncertainties and negative statements about their health and bodies. But the Bible labels the lack of faith as sin. Romans 14.23 is a big faith challenge to me because that verse states, whatsoever is not from faith is sin. The Bible teaches that the Lord is a willing healer. His word prescribes two or three witnesses for a matter to become established. But the case of healing in the new covenant alone has more than 100 witnesses. The word sozo is found 120 times in 103 verses in the New Covenant and is translated five main ways. Saved, healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. So let's keep all of those meanings in mind when meditating, for example, on Romans 10:9, which says, If I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved from eternal perdition. But that word saved there, sozo, also means I shall be cured, recovered, get well, made well, made whole, preserved, restored, delivered from penalties of judgment, and rescued from danger of destruction. 
So we need to take the whole breadth of that word to be saved and realize that it includes healing. In the Gospels, a leper and a woman with an issue of blood were made whole from disease, but faith was required from both. And in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus asked the question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or pick up your bed and walk, be well? Believers should be able to say both. According to John 20, 23, the Great Commission in the Gospel of John, the Lord delegated to believers the power to remit sins. Not just priests, but every believer can do this by faith. And that's the emphasis in John concerning the Great Commission, to remit, to forgive, to cancel the sin debt of a repentant person. But in the Great Commission, also in the Gospel of Mark, we were empowered to heal and to take action, to accomplish exploits. Therefore, we've been given power and authority from Jesus to say both. Your sins are canceled and arise, take up your bed and walk. So when we ask, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to be healed, the truth is both require simple faith. We believe the Savior by faith. We receive the healer by faith. And if we study the New Testament, we learn that we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repent in order to be saved. And we must also repent and believe to be healed. Psalm 66 and verse 18 is an important principle. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord is not going to hear me. Now this word regard in this verse in Hebrew, ra'ah, to see means to perceive, to have vision, to look intently as in the theater of our minds. So if you're habitually sinning in the theater of your mind, that's iniquity and the Lord is not going to hear you. So let's take a minute to talk about the power of resisting evil and sin and temptation. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But Satan is a stubborn foe. Healing is ours, but we have to fight the fight of faith. We have to resist all of this and command the devil to vacate our bodies from oppressing us. Some professing believers won't persevere and believe God's promises when the devil puts up a resistance. But when we become convinced of God's promises in this word, the devil will be defeated. Having said all of this, there are still some believers who are struggling over whether or not it's God's will to heal. Well, the Father gave his will in his covenant name, Yehovah Rapha, in Exodus 15, 26. He said, I am the Lord, your physician. And to believe otherwise is ignorance of God's word. And that's where a lot of us miss it. Exodus 15, 26 says, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer, physician. 
Therefore, this verse teaches us that we must not habitually sin if we want to stay well. And when we become aware of sin, 1 John 1, 9, such a powerful verse, it promises, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Also, 1 John 3, 21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we can have confidence toward God. And furthermore, 1 John 5.15 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire. Also, one of my favorite Bible verses is 3 John 1, 2, which declares, Beloved, I desire above all things that you may be in health, even as your soul prospers. The word health in this verse means whole, sound health, spoken of someone who is safe and sound, who's normal, who's well. The bottom line is that we must decide to believe Isaiah 53, 5, that by his stripes we are healed. And it's so interesting to me that in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 24 quotes this verse in the past tense, saying by his stripes we were healed, speaking on the other side of the cross. Therefore, if we were healed, then we are healed. And Psalm 107, verse 20, is another verse that I count on very often, not only when praying for myself, but also when praying for the healing of others by proxy and sometimes at a great distance because it says, He sent forth His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now let's purpose to believe the benefit package of the Lord, and it's found in Psalm 103. Such marvelous verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Notice the order. Forgiveness first, and then healing comes. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, back to our main text today in Isaiah 53, which has been called the Requiem of the Messiah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. As I said earlier, this is the good news that we find in the Hebrew Bible. It's the good news declaring that terrible as sin is, the universal sin issue has a divine solution. The Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one. That's why somebody had to take the punishment on our behalf. For example, do you know what the expression means to run the gauntlet? I really didn't understand that. I had to look it up. but. Running the gauntlet is a form of corporeal punishment in which a person is forced to run between two rows of soldiers who strike him with blows. Well, the Savior's life was running the gauntlet between his enemies and Satan 
and ultimately Jesus was flogged for our sins and sicknesses. He ran the gauntlet on our behalf. According to the Apostles' Creed, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. His back was bared, his hands were tied to a post, and two Roman soldiers whipped him alternatively. The Roman whip was a diabolical instrument made of leather thongs, each tied at the end with an iron ball, bone, or stone. Every stroke ripped open the flesh. Now Jewish law forbade more than 40 stripes, but Jesus was scourged by Romans and they had no such limit. And Pilate had originally intended for the Lord's scourging to be a substitute for crucifixion. And that meant that Jesus was scourged until he could bear no more. Well, although nearly 2,000 years have passed, the significance of his flogging is current for anybody today who will believe this word that by his stripes we are, we were healed. Hallelujah. But you may still be wondering, why should a righteous man who never sinned suffer like this? And God gave the explanation here in Isaiah 53. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. And God also explained that the sufferings of the Messiah bore absolutely no relation whatsoever to his own guilt. Instead, he suffered for our guilt as the substitute for others, the sacrificial lamb of God. And that's true love, to bear somebody else's punishment. And so our prescription for healing is his stripes. And repentance is the first stage in our recovery. The good news is, if he suffered for us, we're free. If our load was laid on him, it's no longer upon us. And this is a radical cure because it teaches us to hate sin. But for the disease to be cured, the medicine has to be taken. By faith, I want you in your mind's eye to look upon the Lord's wounds. The Lord Jesus satisfied justice. He paid a very dear price. He was wounded, bruised, suffered stripes and punishment on our behalf to grant us peace, pardon, and healing to all who will believe and appropriate the free gift of salvation by faith, putting our trust in Him for salvation and justification that his righteousness would be imputed to us. God didn't create mankind to be sickly and to die. The commentaries teach that God treats sin as a loathsome, infectious, wasting disease. Sickness is something abnormal, a result of the fall. Sin and sickness weaken our moral energy and a sick body brings a person into a languishing condition. Well, at the beginning of the program, I read Isaiah 53, which describes the gospel as a report. A report is a statement of facts which we ourselves may not have seen or heard. And there's a lot of fake news today, but whose report are we going to believe? I say the gospel is a credible account, but I want us to be careful because our text today indicates that Faith, unfortunately, is going to be rare. Isaiah 53 verse 1 starts out with a question. Who has believed our report? 
The Bible is good news straight from heaven, a reliable report. But this question, who has believed our report, is sadly the language of disappointment and even grief because too few believe the report of the Lord. And the reason? Because basically sinners are hostile to truth. They don't want to hear the truth because they want to keep their sins. And there's also a judicial blindness on many people. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.4 declares that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Messiah, the very image of God. And the fact that the gospel doesn't require you to work for your salvation is hard for religious people and for intellectuals and the prideful to swallow. But the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith and not by our own works, lest we would boast about it. Salvation is the gift of God. So I'm here to tell you that the gospel medicine is efficacious and it's free. You don't need medical insurance to pay for it since the good news is free and available to all. So I urge you to take the Lord's medicine freely. And if you're a believer who's become dull on the healing message, let's sharpen up by meditating afresh upon the Lord's stripes. I want the doubters to swallow the Lord's medicine lest you sink into despair. Appropriate his stripes by faith to cover your situation. And for those of you who've never dared to put your trust in the world's only Savior, come on, step forward. Trust him. Come to him. And the Bible promises that you'll receive the gift of eternal life. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that this report I'm giving you today is faithful and worthy of all acceptance that Yeshua the Messiah came into the world to save sinners. So the gospel is good news. It's not fake news. It's an infallible report. Acts 1.3 declares that after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to his disciples and gave many infallible proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this word of God cannot lie. To sum up today, I've been sharing heavenly medicine with you. And the main point I want you to remember and to take away is that the sufferings of Messiah were vicarious on our behalf. If by faith you accept the Lord's atonement, you'll be saved from the paralysis of doubt. Hallelujah. And in the meantime, I want to remind you that all of our videos are available free to watch at our website, exploits.tv. Our videos are there to strengthen your faith. And you can also click online to receive our free color magazine, Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32. That verse declares that the people who know their God will be strong and take action carrying out exploits. In other words, we'll accomplish the works of the Lord in our generation and that includes being willing to pray for the sick. You'd be surprised just how many people are literally dying just for somebody to care about them and to pray for them. You'll also find details of our life-changing insiders tours to Israel that we take at least three times a year. So let's stay in touch through social media 
And please don't forget to tell your friends to watch our programs. And our Jerusalem Channel app is always available free to download from your app store where you can watch our programs on your mobile phone and tablet. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha. All aboard! We're on the little train that goes from Jerusalem's Jaffa Gate and weaves through the sacred old city down to the Western Wall to pray. And we want to invite you to come along and support us financially so that the Jerusalem Channel can continue to move in the presence of God throughout this old city and throughout this nation. Thank you for supporting us, and we invite you to go to the donate page of our website, JerusalemChannel.tv. God bless you out of Zion.